On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. You're listening to Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. I will give you a show like you have never, ever seen before. Why? Because I can. Here's your host. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Matt Robinson. What's happening, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. My name is Matt Robinson with you in our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. Uh, make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening right now. Happy to be welcoming back to the show for the first time in a little bit over a year. Sean Fitzgerald's here. How are you doing today? Has it been a year? What's been going on over a year? Uh, why, why haven't you had me back? It's been a year? What, what's I know. Wrong? I, it's... <laughs> Was there something I said? Was there something I didn't say? Was it the pandemic? You bummed everybody out. The last time you were on, you said hockey was dying. So it was... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what do I know? Yeah, hopefully you're wrong, but uh, you, you made a pretty <laughs> compelling case. Um, <laughs> lots of stuff going on across the uh, the sports media landscape over the last little while, and I wanted to pick your brain on it. Uh, you've been doing great work covering it for The Athletic. Uh, but before we jump into some of that, there was one piece of news this week I wanted to kind of get your take on, and that was Chris Johnston landing at TSN. And uh, for people playing a little catch-up or maybe hadn't heard yet, last we saw him, he was kind of, you know, one of the big dogs over on Sportsnet's Hockey Night in Canada coverage, and that uh, that second intermission on Saturday nights was can't-miss viewing with him and Elliot Friedman. But um, he posted he's leaving to write for the Toronto Star, and then he announces he's got a new podcast, and then out of nowhere... Um, there he is on, on TSN, on insider trading earlier this week. What is the, is there not some sort of, would you, maybe you're speculating, maybe, you know, um, some sort of non-compete, like I could see Sportsnet letting him leave to write for the star, but to immediately pop up on TSN, they can't be thrilled about that over there. Can they? Yeah. I think what comes into play is, is contracts and expiring contracts and maybe contract negotiations. And I mean, you've hit on something really interesting that I think what you're seeing with Chris Johnston is sort of a continuation of a trend, but might also represent something of the future for folks who are sort of in that realm that, um, you know, when his time with Sportsnet was finished, um, that he sold essentially his words, uh, written words to Nordstar. So it's not actually the Toronto Star, it's Nordstar, which okay. is the parent company of the Star, right. um, which is, you know, talked about launching, um, you know, new gaming programs with Canada, uh, obviously legalizing single event sports betting and all of these things, mm-hmm. big things 
are, are something coming down the tunnel there with that. So he sold his written words there. Um, he's partnered up with uh, the Steve Dangle uh, podcast network uh, to do podcasts. And then, you know, the remaining platforms were TV and radio. And he's contracted out to do those with uh, TSN. So, and, and I don't have confirmation on the radio, but I, I imagine that's probably part of it. So what you have is somebody who um, has a name brand and has been able to sort of parcel out their content to three different companies, mm-hmm. three separate platforms. And I think that kind of represents part of the future, the, the days of you know just working on Hockey Night in Canada or just working for one place for people who sort of move in those circles that this, this could be a trend that we see moving forward. I mean, Pierre Lebrun, um, you know, is on TV and radio uh, for TSN, but writes for The Athletic, my right. company, uh, the company where I work, I shouldn't say not my <laughs> company. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you're going to start seeing more and more like that. Is this a way to sort of protect yourself that if somebody isn't happy with you, you've still got two other places, one person lets you go, you're still kind of, or is there more to it than just sort of self-preservation? Yeah, I mean, that'd be a really interesting part of it for sure. But I think that um, certainly when you're moving in those circles, like there's not a lot of people who live in that level of, I, I want to say, insider, right? Like sure. able to, to sort of have access to that kind of information and be able to pass that along to your your consumer, mm-hmm. uh, in this case, your reader, your viewer, whatever. Um, I think what this is, is, you know, the talent uh, taking on their own agency. Right. Like before it was, well, hey, if you want to talk to a national audience, you better have one of those seats on the hot stove lounge for right. Hockey Night in Canada. Um, the advent of social media, the democratization of, um, of the media itself that, you know, we can all be reporters uh, on, on, on Twitter. We can all have blogs. None of this is new. What's new, I think, is that you're seeing folks, um, you know, in Canada, in parts of the U.S., um, taking that sort of bet on themselves, to borrow that sports cliche, and say, you know what, um, companies, you know, I deliver value to companies. So, you know, uh, I am a brand, I am a mini corporation unto myself, and I can contract out my services to multiple providers. Bit of a mercenary. I mean, in, in a way, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like, I mean, you have the information, um, and, and that information uh, you know, delivers value to the platforms that want to deliver value to their users, whether that be, you know, a TV viewer, um, a newspaper subscriber, or somebody who listens to podcasts. Um, I got a couple questions for you before we get specifically into what happened across the Rogers network this, um, this week. But, you know, we have seen just over the last year or so, and some of it by choice, a lot of it by not, but some big names have, have stepped aside. We saw Andy Petrillo leave TSN. She's still going to be doing work, I believe, for CBC. Um, and I'm sure we'll see her pop up in some other places, but she kind of dropped the Leafs lunch thing. Michael Landsberg left the TSN radio morning show. Uh, he'd been there forever. Uh, by all accounts, that was his choice. Uh, but we also saw the TSN radio network close um, three stations across the country i believe it was hamilton winnipeg and vancouver is that right correct yeah what are no, we... they didn't they didn't close them they switched sure. the format so the signal's still broadcasting it's just it's absolutely not broadcasting 24-hour sports right i mean 24-hour sports is is very expensive i don't know i mean it took me a while to wrap my i mean again feeble brain but it took <laughs> me a while to fa- wrap my feeble brain around the fact that but yeah, like sports radio is really really expensive to produce because i mean you can play music and you'll have one person come on and talk for, you know, 30 to 90 or two minutes, um, 
before a commercial, you know, a bumper, whatever, mm-hmm. and then play more music. But sports, like, like you, you need to pay often multiple people per show um, to talk for that whole time. You know, it's not music, it's not anything else, it's not pre-recorded. It is live, going to commercials. So what what Bell Media did was they turned off the sports signal in Vancouver, Winnipeg, and Hamilton, and replaced it in Vancouver and Winnipeg with. Uh, pre-recorded comedy and um in hamilton i I believe it was the business news network um so 24-hour business content i I guess that was sort of going to be my question is what are we seeing happen there was it just as simple as um you know it's too expensive because of the live hosts and why those cities specifically when they do have other tsn stations that they didn't choose to close yeah i mean it's a really interesting question and a really interesting conversation i think i mean to take a step back like the, the sports media electric sports electronic sports media in this country um in in terms of television and radio is divided into sort of canada's great corporate duopoly right yes. like you have uh bce on one side you have rogers communications on the other side and uh, i mean what a lot of folks might not realize is that you know the media divisions for both of those companies is essentially a rounding error like it's you know sure. ten to fifteen to maybe twenty percent of revenue um, for the whole company would come from the media divisions. Um, it's not a huge chunk of their business. They're they're in the pipes, right? Like they're mm-hmm. in the they're in the wireless. They're in the you know delivering your fiber optic cable, whatever it is. That's what they do. So I mean, the interest in running you know one of these these stations might not be the same as say when telemedia was first involved in the fan here in Toronto, um, that sort of thing. So it's, it really can be distilled down to sometimes a numbers game. Um, so yeah, like, you know, by moving all of this stuff around, that really does put, you know, pressure on the radio stations and, you know, the things that, you know, might be, I hate to say intangible, but intangible value to listeners, you know, unless you can put a tangible value to that, um, it can be cut. So, you know, what does that say about the state of, you know, say, specifically sports talk radio in Canada? I mean, obviously not good things. But again, you know, you have to keep in mind the ownership and where they're coming from. Publicly traded company, um, you know, basically a legal obligation to deliver value to your shareholders, um, holding on to something where the profit margin might not be as good as your, your cable division or, you know, might even be, heaven forbid, losing money. That is tough to justify on that side. That being said, um, you know, those specific stations didn't have uh, hockey rights. Okay. So the one in Toronto did. Um, you know, the ones that survived generally, except for Edmonton, did. Um, but again, you can take a look at the United States and, you know, there is, you know, there are, I should say, several markets where, you know, sports talk radio by all accounts and by measurements that are you can see on ratings is still pretty healthy and robust. So the, the medium isn't dead. But as somebody said to me the other day, uh, quoting quoting a famous rock and roller, it's not dead, but it sure does smell funny. Okay. <laughs> so I guess what's the point or is there a way around this? Like if it doesn't make you money, why own them, right? And obviously they're trying well, here's, not to Here's own- the thing. Now, now here's, here's another twist on that is that it doesn't make you money. Okay, that, that's that's – that's what we're talking about, yeah. making money. Um, you know, if you are, say, Bell Media, um, you know, if you're not Bell Media, if TSN Radio is owned, we own 1050, 
Matt and Sean own 1050. Cool. We're going to do all we can to generate as much money out of that as possible, right? So maybe that means, you know, we're going to splash out some money and hire a team of salespeople to go and beat down the doors of all the local sports bars, of all the local equipment sellers, of everything. Like, you know, you can work on commission, but we have to pay you a salary. It could be, what, five or six people who are out there to sell ads, right? Sure. Not just the 30 seconds, but it's like, you know, here is overdrive presented by whatever. Um, at TSN and at the fan, um, they don't, they don't have dedicated salespeople. They have salespeople who work for a division within the company that have those stations as part of a suite of sure. offerings that they we also offer have to the country music station and a hundred percent. So, you know, are those salespeople purely motivated for selling sports? Maybe not. Um, you know, there are benefits, obviously. They have more access to, to national blue chip partners, which, you know, and take a look at some of the title sponsors on Overdrive. Those aren't small companies. Um, but you do lose out on revenue opportunity um, just by the structure of the corporations themselves. Would you be better off, you know, you and I, instead of getting involved with, uh, with 1050, you know, in the TSN brand, is there a chance... I'm maybe going to answer my own question. We, you and I can't afford to go and bid for the Toronto Maple Leafs radio rights, but maybe we can afford to start a sports talk radio station. And we now are just focused on running that business as opposed to trying to fit into this larger corporate um, umbrella that, you know, really doesn't worry about just what's good for us. Is, is that maybe a better model? Is there any chance of a third party getting up and running in this type of medium? It almost sounds like you're talking about Karl Marx and seizing the means of production from the, um, and, and doing it ourselves. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing that. Yeah. So out in Vancouver, um, you know, where the sports station was turned off, um, you know, Sikaris and Price, uh, popular radio hosts out there, have launched their own show. So right. they're still doing the show on a different platform, and they're, you know, working hard to get ads and, 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 and you know, find partnerships and drive connections with the community by leveraging the relationships that they had when they were on the conventional uh, sort of linear radio station. Right. And some of the early reports are that, yeah, you know what? It can work. And I think you're seeing that in some of the markets that are being underserved um, in this sector as is. So, I mean, here in Toronto, I think it's, it's, it's significantly, it's highly unlikely that, you know, we're, we're not going to see TSN radio and the fan that I think they're going to be here in, in large part because you know, as long as Bell and Rogers, the, um, the Capulets and the Montagues continue um, to have this weird, strange dance and relationship and corporate duopoly, uh, both in MLSE, but both in dividing up all the sports properties, like nobody's going to surrender, you know, that first tentpole, right? That, that sports talk. So I think it's okay here for the foreseeable future, but I think probably all bets are off in just about every other market in the country. What is it that's so significant, and maybe it's a stupid question, but you referenced that some of the stations that have gone down didn't have NHL rights, whereas TSN 1200 in Ottawa has the rights to the Senators. Uh, I believe the station in Montreal does for the Habs, certainly 1050 mm-hmm. splits with the Leafs. Is it just the you know the audience that having a team on your station brings, or is it that you have a contract you can't go back on, and so you're stuck being open? Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like... The other, the other interesting question is too, and again, you know, without them opening their books and walking me through the line items, um, there is some discussion about the value of holding those rights and whether, you know, the advertising again from some of the challenges that we're talking before, 
whether the advertising covers the cost of those rights anymore. Right. Um, what effect, based on how quickly this has all happened this year, this year in particular has been pretty savage, right, with the uh, those stations closing, some jobs, just another parts of the industry disappearing. What effect, if any, um, has the pandemic had since, you know, by and large, we have had sports back up and running all year, albeit in a different, uh, sometimes in under a different lens or looking a little bit differently, but the sports have been back or was this always going to come and maybe the pandemic just sped it up a little? Yeah, I think that, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting one that you take a look at TSN, right? Just as an example, the Globe and Mail did a really nice breakdown of this, I want to say maybe a month ago, but time is a flat circle, so it could have been two months ago as well. Um, TSN, as a television network, as a cable channel, actually just had a great year financially, like stellar Hmm. year, like executives getting bonuses stellar year. Um, That always happens. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, like this year because um, you didn't have to pay production on CFL games, right? right? The rights was the rights fees were reduced across the board because mm-hmm. you just didn't play as many games. Um, but where they get their money, and this is a, a dirty little industry secret, I mean, advertising is one thing on television, but it's the fees that you and I pay yes. if you're one of those olds who still has cable, and I do. It's the fee that you pay through your cable provider to TSN and to Sportsnet where they get their money, right? Like that's... That's fixed income, that is gravy, and the advertising helps cover everything else. So people didn't you know, cut the cord at any greater rate. People didn't cancel their subscriptions to the sports channels because you know, they were showing Aussie rule football replays <laughs> from 1986 for a big part of the pandemic. Like, um, they didn't cut it, so they were still making tons of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the radio side is unfortunately a bit more tragic in that I mean, yeah, like overnight, 95% of their advertising revenue just disappeared in March 2020. And more than that, as offices closed down, like, you know, a lot of the morning and afternoon drives are the bread and butter of of radio for sports talk, especially. And when nobody's in their car because nobody's going to the office, I mean, the audience just falls through the basement floor. So, um, you know, people aren't all back in their offices yet. So, um, you know, those numbers are still really, really soft. Hmm. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what went on just this week with uh, some cuts across the Sportsnet radio network. Um, just because you'll have a better handle on this, certainly, than I do. Uh, obviously, we saw changes at uh, the Fan 590, but um, what happened outside Toronto? Were there uh, the cuts and changes as significant? Yeah, I mean, I'm not... I'm not as fully well-versed as the ones outside. Uh, there certainly were uh, job losses. I mean, anybody who's watched Sportsnet for long enough would remember the name uh, Scott Rintoul, and mm-hmm. he posted, along with his co-host, and she posted as well, that um, you know they were affected um, by the movement yesterday. Um, you know, I saw a report that the longtime program director in Calgary who'd been with the, the station for you know, more than 30 years had also been impacted, but I haven't seen that confirmed. So yeah, I mean, unfortunately, there was job loss outside of Toronto on top of the, the dramatic changes that were made in the city too. 
So what would you like my understanding and you can correct me if I'm wrong here is that at the Fan 590 now they did do some retooling um two guys that I really liked in in Richard Deitch and and Scotty Mack both uh both apparently let go but they've rejigged the whole thing and and they put together this press release that it seemed to be highlighting I think the two words they used were uh Nope, they've both escaped me now anyway, so we'll move. <laughs> but they're trying to be, they look like they've created these more sports-specific blocks, right? And they're going to be seasonal, um, you know, during the baseball season, we'll see Blair and Barker kind of from 5 to 7 or whatever it was before the mm-hmm. baseball games, but maybe less of that during the summer or during the uh, winter when a hockey show or a basketball show might slide in there. And they're going to create these little blocks almost. And I guess, do I am I... Painting that correctly to your knowledge? My understanding is, yeah. So, you know, to use the baseball example specifically is that Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker will be on five to seven during the baseball season leading into Blue Jays games. And then they're going to hang around and do the post-game show as well. Right. And I think the understanding is that, you know, if there is an injury that happens at noon or a trade that happens at 11, um, that one or both of them will be called in and record a podcast sort of in real time as that story is developing so that that's available, you know, outside of the the traditional linear schedule. And that, you know, in November, December, when things get kind of quiet, um, they'll go on vacation. But, you know, if if somebody signs a big contract, if a free agent signed uh, the baseball winter meetings, uh, they could come back for a week or two for, you know, so-called pop-up shows. So I guess that sort of answers my next question. If in December we have, um, I don't know, it looked like it was going to be Nick Kiprios and Justin Bourne, both hockey guys from 3 to 5. I don't know who's going to be on from 5 to 7. If George Springer signs at 3.08 on December 8th and we have nothing but puckheads scheduled until 7, (laughs) I can't turn to my local sports radio station. I have to wait for them to get a podcast put together. Is that correct? Well, I think that the idea would be the podcast would come out quicker. Like the podcast, like if something happened that, you know, if it is just hockey and something big baseball happens and they can't squeeze it in on the radio station, then they'll have a podcast available. The question for me is, you know, if they do have pop-up shows, I mean, radio, so like so much of, you know, our viewing habits is based on just that. It's habit. Yeah. You know, you used to be able to know that you could tune in at, you know, five o'clock and you knew that the, you know, the round table yeah. would be on, on Fridays, right? On, you know, Bob McCown, you knew that. It was a habit. Um, you just flip it on. Exactly. Yeah. And now maybe you have a habit because, you know, Overdrive's going to be on for three hours. Or maybe you really liked, you know, uh, lead off with, um, first up, excuse me, with, um, you know, with Scotty Mack and Ziggy um, or, you know, whoever over the years, right? Like Ashley Docking, whoever whatever show you were supposed to be able to tune in and say, okay, this is what I want. This is what I, this is what I've come to expect. So with this flexibility, that sort of puts that to the test. And I mean, I've, I've spoken with people on both sides of the industry, those who buy ads and those inside and wonder if, if, you know, certainly that is unconventional. Um, maybe that'll work or maybe it'll just chase people away. Yeah, like, I'll be honest, maybe I'm just getting to that age, you know, curmudgeonly old guy who doesn't want to hear anything new. It seems (laughs) like the opposite of being flexible, and it seems like a nightmare that it's not flexible to have just hockey guys on and then big football news breaks. And and I know what you're saying, that you'd get the podcast out quicker, but if it comes across my Twitter that, whatever, the Leafs just made a huge trade, my reaction would be to turn on the radio, not to wait 
the podcast is going to be out for at least a half hour, right? By the time they record yep. it and get like, to me, it seems almost like they're sort of building a podcast network, but trying to run it on the radio. Yeah. And that's, you know, where's the middle ground? Yeah. Um, you know, they're doing away with the sports updates and I had, you know, several discussions with people yesterday that, um, well, Twitter made the sports update obsolete. And certainly, you know, in the context of, you know, when you might've been listening to the sports update back in 2004, mm -hmm. like there was no Twitter. So, you know, to find out that, you know, Alexander McGillney had a, had a hip injury and couldn't play against the Flyers that night. Like you're going to get that from the sports sure. update. Whereas yeah. now you get it on Twitter, but I would counter that, you know, since a lot of sports radio listeners are in the car that say, if I'm driving, you know, one of my tiny urchin children to a hockey practice and I'm going to be in the car for an hour. Yeah. I'm your captive audience. And if something big comes up, if there is news or if, you know, maybe I don't know who's playing that night. I still I still argue for the value of those updates. And I think you've probably like lost something in the sense that I have podcasts that I really like, but there are days when I look and see who the guest is or what the topic is and go, nah, I can pass today, right? I'll get that tomorrow. Whereas if you turn on the radio for, you know, Scott MacArthur, because that's what you always do, you've probably got me, right? I'll just stay because I'm used to staying. You're now almost forcing me to, if I flip this one on and I know it's only baseball right now and I don't care about baseball, eh, I'm probably gone, right? I'll go across to TSN 1050 and see what they're talking about. Like I, to me, I, I, maybe, like I said, maybe I'm just out of touch or I'm not, I don't, I don't get this at all. I, I, I think by cutting people like Scott MacArthur who were well-rounded sports broadcasters. Okay, there's football news. He can handle that. Okay, there's hockey news. He can handle that. You've almost gone in the opposite direction. And to see them keep using this word flexibility seems really weird to me. Yeah, I mean, Scott MacArthur is the one. Uh, I mean, Richard Deitch uh, was a surprise for a lot of people. But Scott MacArthur, um, because of that versatility, especially because he you know, has worked on you know game broadcasts mm -hmm. as well as in studio, he's... He's reported, he's hosted pre and post game for hockey. He can talk baseball. He's a football, like he can do everything. Um, seeing that name sort of shuffled out the door, I think really did take, you know, not to sound overly dramatic, but took the breath away for a lot of people yep. um, inside and outside the industry. And Richard Deitch, I mean, I understand that it's not a good enough business reason to keep somebody on, but it comes off as pretty cruel. Like he just moved his family up here um, to work with Bob McCowan. You can't Bob McCowan. He kind of gets his feet underneath him with uh, with Jeff Blair. And now, you know, you're out the door too. I, I know just because someone moved for the job isn't a good enough reason to keep them at the job, but it, it really seems like a kick in the ass. Yeah. And I mean, they you know, the afternoons had been a bit of a mess um, for a while in terms of, I mean, not the content of writer's block. Right. Um, with, you know, with Jeff Blair and with Richard and with uh, Stephen Brunton. I should point out, obviously, Richard still works for The Athletic. Who's yep. a call so that means he's a colleague. That's a full disclosure. Sure. Um, but, you know, they hadn't moved the timing around and the head-to-head, -head, especially as Overdrive started picking up momentum against Bob McCown. And McCown left, and they never really, I think, as the fan found... a a solid plan of action to counteract that momentum. So writer's block kind of moved around and had to fill a bunch of different, you know, roles and, and time slots. Just before I called you, I saw a tweet that listed every iteration of the fans morning show since 2010. And <laughs> it, the churn has been almost unbelievable. Um, what do you think it is that has made it so hard for them to find a combination that works there? I think part of it is, 
I mean, the, the time itself that, you know, somebody in radio explained to me that, you know, in the morning, um, you're more likely to flip around, right? Like yeah. maybe you've got kids in the back, you want to get them out to school. Um, it's winter, so you need to hear the weather report. So you flip over to the news station. Um, you got to catch the morning news to see what happened. You know, maybe you're driving down to the banking district. You got to get some business news. So you're more likely to flip around, right? So the, the audience itself is more volatile in the morning. Yeah. Um, whereas in the afternoon, um, you're more likely to like, ah, okay, on the way home, you know, haven't picked up the little monsters yet. <laughs> Don't care about the news because I've been surrounded by it all day. Just, I just want to be entertained. So you tune into Bob McCowan for a couple hours or an hour, or you tune into Overdrive, right? Mm -hmm. So you're more stable there. So I think that's probably part of it. Another part of it is a lot of what we've been discussing about, you know, the corporate interests, about the, you know, the, the, the actual numbers and the business side of the radio itself. And then another part of it might have been, you know, some miscalculations, some questionable decisions from management and some chemistry issues. Right. Do you think, uh, you know, I, I know you can't see the future. This new model, the way they're rolling this out, is this going to work? There's some interesting stuff there. I, I mean, Jeff Merrick is really smart. Mm -hmm. And he's a great broadcaster. Um, he's a very strong broadcaster. He's going to have Elliot Friedman there, and they're going to talk news, right? Like that's, you know, American Friedman, that's, that's a proven commodity. Yep. Um, you know, whether that's going to work on a national level will be interesting, right? Because mm -hmm. if you think of the biggest issue of the day in Toronto during the hockey season, it could be that the third-pairing defenseman has a heel <laughs> bruise, right? Or the biggest issue of the day in Calgary could be that, you know, the, the backup goalie said in practice he wants to try real hard. Like, whatever the most inane bullshit storyline of the day is, in every individual market, it's the biggest story of the day. Yeah. So, you know, if you're a hockey person, um, you know, do you want to listen to, I don't know, something about the Florida Panthers? I mean, it's still really good, going to be good hockey talk with lots of insight. But is that something you want to listen to? I, I'm not sure. I don't know. And we know um, just know in general how Calgary yeah. and Vancouver feel about getting their stuff fed to them from 100%, Toronto. <laughs> 100%. And then, you know, uh, I think bringing Kiprios back and working with Justin Bourne, I think that's a good fit for a lease audience, honestly. I think, I think that can be good chemistry. There's lots of places that can go. And certainly, I, I mean, you know, introducing new voices, um, younger voices into into the platform is really important because it can't just be you know, dudes my age um, from my background talking sports because that isn't what Toronto is. So getting new voices in there is critically important. Um, whether it all works under this sort of hybrid podcast live radio format without a lot of the stuff that we've become accustomed to seeing and hearing in live radio, um, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Uh, and I guess the last one then for you, in just kind of a general sense, if this doesn't work i don't know how long they'll test it for you know what maybe we see in a year or 18 months or whatever they're right back to more general sports talk or whatever you sort of answered it earlier i guess that is is this medium at least in toronto while these two corporate entities co-own the raptors and co-own the leafs and everything is you know is this still legitimate long term or still viable long term in, in at least toronto I mean, there was a story a couple of years ago about, I think it was Tesla made a line of cars um, where the radio didn't even include AM, FM right. on the dial. I mean, that's alarming yep. because, I mean, a lot of people, that's where you listen to AM, FM. You don't 
you don't have it in the kitchen while you know I'm washing dishes after dinner. I'm not listening, though I would love to, but I don't have a radio to listen to CBC Radio 1 or the fan or whatever, right? Like it's just not there anymore. Maybe you have a transistor up at the dock, but you're just as likely now with roaming rates, even though they're still exorbitant in Canada, (laughs) um, to stream on your phone, right? That's the commercial they have. They want you to pay your data to go watch the Raptors preseason or Leafs God knows what on your phone. Um, So you don't have the radio anymore, so you need it in your car. Um, but I think as long as the car radio is there, um, I think I think radio still has a space. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, how do you grow the audience? Can you grow the audience? And how do you maintain your existing audience? Well, this was a little less alarmist the last time. Last time hockey was dying, but radio may survive. It's 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 still on life support, but we may be able to cure it. So uh, we'll wait a couple of months before we bug you again. Find you find something else you can let us know if it's. If it's still salvageable or not. <laughs> um, always a ray of sunshine there. But uh, I appreciate your insight on this, Sean, because it's it's been really interesting. The sports landscape, the sports media landscape is something, you know, I followed quite a bit growing up. I, I was always, you know, it was weird as a 12 or 13-year-old to listen to as much of the fan as I did. But, you know, I used to have on Barb DiGiulio and Gord Stellick in the afternoon, yeah. right, and be listening to Bob McCown. And it's just, maybe, maybe it is just as this will be great. And I am just the old guy who just wants his, you know, Mike Hogan and Don Landry back or uh, whatever it might've been. Right. But I'm intrigued yeah. by this. So I, I appreciate your insight. No, thank you. And I mean, same thing. I, when growing up, I worked in a, I worked in a steel mill to help save up for me to go to school. And underneath my protective earwear, I used to sneak in, you know, those old headphones <laughs> yeah. and, and listen to, you know, especially for the afternoon shift, I listened to Jim Hunt and Bob McCown yeah. and Joe Bowen was there and yeah, Barb DiGiulio. And, um, yeah, I, I think for a lot of folks, you know, sports talk radio is part of the legacy media. It is so much a part of, you know, how you developed your sports fandom. And because of the nature of the medium itself, like those hosts are in the car with you that, yeah. you know, I'd argue that, you know, like podcasts, but you know, sports radio and radio is a far more intimate medium than TV. So, you know, I, I would caution anybody who's going to herald the death of it. Um, <laughs> but that being said, it's not the healthiest thing in the world right now. Yeah, no, I was uh, I was a little fired up yesterday, part of it because I have not been impressed by the way, you know, Rogers has handled my, uh, my favorite radio station growing up. But also, <laughs> you know, if I'm being honest, Scotty Max helped out this podcast a couple of times. So just personally, you're, you're pissed off to see, you know, a guy you respect like that, uh, treated like that. So hopefully all these people land on their feet. Um, but, uh, Sean Fitzgerald, uh, you can find his work at the athletic. He's always going in deep on, uh, these sorts of sports media things and lots of great interviews with some of the, uh, the local personalities as well. So, uh, well worth the subscription and, uh, search for Sean Fitzgerald on the athletic. If you're already subscribed, thank you so much for this, Sean. Thank you for having me. It is over. Now that's a tasty beverage. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at tallcanaudio.com or by searching Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app.